<laughs> Amen. All right, guys. So we're beginning our series entitled The Beginning, and today's message is Agape God and Agape People. Come on, somebody. A God kind of love. And today's challenge question is, how much do you love today? Okay, I want you guys to analyze your lives right now. As I'm preaching this message, I want you guys to get a deeper understanding of what it means to, what it means to love. What does it mean to love? And how much are you loving today? Sister, if you could put my mic down a little bit, please. Amen. How many of you guys know what agape means? Agape, if you know what it means. Amen. Okay, a few of you know. Good, good. So basically, agape is just a Greek word for love. And there's many Greek words for love, but this one is a special word because it's, it's, it's kind of like a spiritual love. And agape is the highest and purest form of love, one that surpasses all other type, types of affection. So it's a type of love that surpasses all other feelings that it's not like I love hot dogs and I love my dog pork chop. No, it, it's, it's I love God. It's that God kind of love. Somebody say agape. Come on, nice enough. Somebody say agape. Agape. It's that God kind of love, guys. It's the love that God has for us. You see, in the Greek, they have very descriptive words. And for in English, we only have one word for love. So you can say I love hot dogs and I love my wife or my husband. And then, I love God. You have three different sentences with the word love, and they all essentially mean different levels of love. Am I right? But the highest form of affection, the highest and the purest form of love is the love that God has for us and the love that we ought to have for God and other people. Amen? And that, that kind of love is called what in the Greek? One more time. What is it? Praise the Lord. Okay, and tonight's objective, we have a very uh, strong object, objective tonight, and it's to understand and live out the two greatest commandments in the Bible. A lot, of, Some of you guys are going to know already what I'm going to be preaching on, and I just want you to understand the two greatest commandments in the Bible. Out of all the Bible, out of all the whole Bible, everybody, it, it just comes down to these two commandments. And we're going to learn about that in just a second. Do me a favor, turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. We're almost done with the series, guys. We're towards the end of, uh, of Matthew. Praise the Lord. We've been doing this since the beginning of the, since the end of the summer, around August. It's a long series, huh? But it's good. It's, it's entitled The Beginning. We're going back to the beginning. We've got to go back to the basics of learning what God, or Jesus rather, taught the people, what he taught his disciples. And today is a very important message, and it's very important that you guys pay attention and understand. So in chapter 22, I just want to review before we actually get to the scripture, the main scripture. Um, at this time, in uh, the beginning of chapter 2, um, <clears throat> Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees and Sadducees. So, and basically, bottom line, they're trying to, they're trying to treat Jesus. They're questioning him because they don't believe every, 100% everything he's saying. They're looking at him like he's some sort of weirdo. And some of you guys might not know who the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are, but so I'm just going to describe it for you right now. Is there are two different Jewish societies, okay? The two different uh, societies broken out of the Jewish culture, and they're very known to be, you know, um, knowledgeable of the Old Testament, the Torah, okay, which is the, the law of Moses, okay, so we got Old Testament writings, and they have their own form of religion, and they're very religious, somebody say religious, they're very religious, okay, and because of their uh, religion, and because they're blinded by their religion and their own thoughts and their own ways of thinking, they're looking at Jesus and, and seeing what and hearing what he's teaching. They're just like, what in the world? What are you talking about? You see, and they're trying to question him. They're trying to get Jesus to contradict himself. But you see, at this time, let's go, ahead, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 15. I just want to um, review what's going on. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, Jesus, in his words. So they were going out. They were trying to trap Jesus in his own words. They were trying to trip him up with his own words, his own teachings. But in verse 23, the same day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him with a question. 
Verse 29, I love this verse right here. Come on, somebody. Verse 29 of, uh, of Matthew 22 says, Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You see, they're here trying to mix up Jesus. They're trying to mix up his words. They're thinking he doesn't know what he's talking about. And here Jesus is saying, you guys, you're in error because you do not know what the scripture is saying. And you do have no idea of what the power of God really is. They're trying to trip up Jesus and his words when they don't even realize that Jesus is the word. He is the word, guys. He is preaching what he is. Is the word, the word of God. He's the only man that can fully understand what it means to love God and to love people. He's the only man to know 100% what it means to preach the word because he is the word. And here the, here the Sadducees and the Pharisees are trying to mix him up. They're looking like fools. And Jesus treats them. He said, what are you doing? You don't even know the scriptures. You, are, you walk around. And a lot of these, uh, pretty much the Sadducees and the Pharisees in general, they were hypocrites. They would say something and they would do the, the exact opposite behind everybody else's back. They would, they would seem very religious and studious, like teachers of the law in a way. Yet they would go back and break it. And Jesus knew this. He knew what they were about. That's why he said, you have no idea what the power of God is. This is my favorite right here. Verse 46. Scroll all the way down to verse 46. It says, No one can say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Come on, somebody. See, Matthew could have just said, uh, no one could, uh, Matthew could have said, from that day on, no one asked him any more questions. But no, 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 no. He didn't just say no one asked questions. He said no one dared. No one dared question Jesus anymore. Jesus laid it down, man. Whatever question he had, he had a response. He had already answer. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what they were plotting, and he had already answer and a defense. You understand me? He was pure. He knew what he was talking about because he is the what? Come on now. He's the word. So he shut him up. Somebody say he shut, he shut him up. Come on, somebody. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's go. Let's get into the message. Now that you guys are caught up with what's happening in uh, chapter 22, let's get towards the end. The greatest commandment. Now that's going to be found in verse 34. Let me get an amen when you're there. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Oh, come on, somebody right there. Somebody say he treated him. Okay, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the, uh, I'm sorry, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. So they got together. The Pharisees saw how the Sadducees just got shot down. It's just straight up got shot down by Jesus, okay? And they're like, whoa, man, okay, we got to be a little smarter with what's going on, with what we got to say, with what we got to ask. So they got together, and they got this one guy, one of them, an expert of the law, according to verse 34, tested Jesus with this question. Verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do me a favor, guys. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. I like the way Mark says because he adds something on there. He adds a little something, something. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Let me get an amen. Were you there? Amen. Okay. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So he has four. Love the Lord your God with your, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Verse 31, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There is no commandment greater than these, Jesus said. So what does it mean to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What does that mean, Elevate? 
How exactly are we able to do that? You see, let's, let's go ahead and start with, with the heart. To love God with all your heart is to acknowledge him as the center of, the, of your life and the thing you want the most. To love God with all of your heart is to see him and make sure he's the center of everything you want. That he's the greatest desire of your heart. That he's the apple of your eye. You understand me? He is the one thing that you want the most. Having God be your greatest desire. Matthew 6 verse 21. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there for me please. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. Says, For where your treasure is, there... Your heart will be also. So if your heart is with God, if your heart is loving God, if your main desire is loving God, that means God is your treasure. There is your treasure. God is your treasure. And that's what it means to love God with all of your heart. That's one thing. That's one down. Let's get to the next one, the soul. To love God with all of your soul is to love him with your deepest emotion. You see, we, your soul is who you are. It's who you really are in the inside out. You understand me? It's your deepest emotions. And to love God with all your soul is to love him with the deepest emotions that you have. That's why it's okay to cry in his presence. That's why it's okay to laugh and, and jump for joy and scream and say hallelujah and act like a maniac. It's okay because that means you're loving God with all of your soul, with your deepest desire, with your deepest emotion. In Psalms chapter 63, verse 5, you don't necessarily have to turn there right now. In Psalms 63, verse 5, uh, David says, My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Come on, somebody. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. Before he goes to sleep, David acknowledges God. He's like, man, God, he's so in love with God that he acknowledges him before he goes to bed. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. And right here. My soul clings to you. David says that his soul clings to God. That it holds on to him with everything that he has. That is to love God with all of your soul. When you're clinging on with the greatest emotions that you have inside of you to God. And you're holding on deep because you're so in love with him. Let's go on to the next one. Mind. To love God with all of your mind. I was reading commentary, and commentary is basically um, scholars, professionals, and people who, who, who dedicate their lives in, in, um, in reading the Bible and describing it and making it clear for, for, for readers like myself and you. And uh, one of my favorite commentaries is Adam Clark. He's awesome. I've been using him since almost day one of me being the pastor here. I always, always, always use his commentary. And he says it's so awesome right here. And I want you to get it, okay? So loving God with all your mind. He who sees God in all things thinks of him, God, at all times. Having his mind continually, continually fixed upon God. Acknowledging him. In all his ways, who begins, who continues, and who ends all his thoughts, his words, and his works to the glory of his name. This is a person who loves God with all their heart, with all their strength and intellect, with their mind. You see, it's starting. It's starting your day loving God. You're constantly thinking. You're, you're thinking about him. You're continuing your day thinking about him. You're ending your day thinking about him. 
He's always constantly in your mind. He's always roaming in your mind. God's love, God's judgment, his conviction, his Holy Spirit, how he cleansed you, where he took you out of, how he saved you, how he died on the cross to try to comprehend the love of God and let the Lord give you a revelation. You see, that right there, that is loving God with all of your mind. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. You see, Paul even acknowledges that. Paul the Apostle telling, uh, the, the, uh, the, in, tells us in Colossians to set our minds on things above. To set our minds on things of heaven, of things of God. He's telling us to start our day thinking of God. To go throughout our day thinking of God. To end our day thinking of God. Set your things on things above. Set your thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. You see, when you start beginning, when you, when you begin to think of earthly things, you begin to think of your past. You think of your, uh, your friends at school or the kids at school, and, and you think of daytimes, you think of parties, you think of boyfriends, you think of girlfriends. You think of materialistic things like, like money and cars, and then you think of your sports. You see, when you get caught up on earthly things that will pass away and burn, you begin to forget about the things above. You see... I don't think anybody here could think of two things at the exact same time. I don't think anybody here is able to balance thoughts of the, of above, of heaven and God, and think of balance the thoughts of, of this earth in the same time. You're either thinking one thing or you're thinking the other. You understand me? And Paul tells us very, very, come on now, you don't need a degree in this. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's almost like a fortune cookie, right? Come on now. It's... Come on, man. Can I get an amen? Can you guys help me preach tonight? You see, Paul is telling us very simple. Keep your mindset on the Lord. And when you're able to concentrate on God throughout your day, and when you're able to meditate on his word, when you're able to pray to him, when you're able to speak to him, guys, I'm telling you right now, he's going to rock your world. I'm going to share something with you. When we were driving back from Louisiana, I, I, I always take the first shift so I, all the drivers could be well rested when they when they drive. And I started the, we started getting out at three o'clock in the morning, and I was just driving it. And as, as I was before we before we actually went out on the trip, I, we had to put gas in it. And I'm telling man, this pump was going slow. I have never seen a gas pump go so slow in my entire life. It was just taking a sweet time putting gas in there. It was like. You know, I mean, that's what it felt like. I was like, what in the world? And everybody's just chilling. They're sleeping in the van. They're just, you know, they're pretty much knocked out. And I'm here out. It's kind of chilly. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever. And that, that, the van, the church van, it takes $70 to fill that tank up. And <laughs> trust me, it takes a while to get up there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, oh, Lord, I'm going to be out here for a while. And he told me, I did that. I did that. I want to have a conversation with you. And I'm just like, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> you never did that before. You know, I, I kind of felt a little special at that time. I was like, man, he, he loves me so much. He wanted to talk to me that, that he slowed down the gas pump. And granted, hey, maybe that gas pump has been like that for like three years. You see, but nonetheless, there's, there were other gas stations around that area, but I happened to go to that one. You see, God, I want to explain something before, before I go forward. Think about miracles, guys. Like miracles, like healings, right? So we, we could, we could, there was a miracle a hundred years ago, a healing. But now we know that that person just happened to be around the, the, a, a certain plant or, or put, put a certain, um, um, you know, remedy, some sort of a natural remedy around them that actually healed them. And we find that out 100 years later. Oh, yeah, they didn't, they, it wasn't a miracle. They just, they just got healed off of that. Does that not make it a miracle anymore? No, it, it is a miracle. Because you know what a miracle consists of? Timing. It's the timing that makes a miracle. You see, like, I'm going to say a miracle like, like the financial situation we had here at Metro Praise. You see, we were towards the end of this of this campaign where we were raising up forty thousand dollars, and we were we were so far off that goal, man. And towards the end, what happened? The door opened. It was the timing. Now, was that door going to open eventually? Yeah, it was. 
within the next couple months, if not year, year or so. It would open up eventually, but it opened up at that moment. You see, it's the timing, guys. Never underestimate the timing. When you think of something like a miracle, like, wow, the Lord's working, and then the next day you're like, oh, that was because the so-and-so, you know, came late in the car or something like that. No, it doesn't work that way. God does that. It's the timing, guys. Remember it, okay? Amen? So it was the timing with me uh, putting in that gas. It was the timing of, uh, of 3 o'clock in the morning when everybody else is sleeping. I'm pretty much the only one awake. And I, here I am just talking to the Lord. I'm conversating with him. And I'm just like, hey, Lord, how's it going? And he's talking to me, and we're talking to each other. And then I end up driving, and we end up talking for about two and a half hours. Just talking the whole time, guys. And I drove for about four and a half hours that night. I was just driving. I was so wide awake, man. I was half asleep when I was getting in the van, putting in the gas. But as soon as I started talking to God, he, he, he woke me up. And we were talking. And the Lord told me so many. He shared with me, so, oh, my goodness, so many things, guys. I wish I could share it all with you. But bottom line, he, he gave me a revelation of his love. And But that's not what this is about. I'm sharing this story with you. It's because I, I gave him my mind at that time. You see, I was driving, yes, but... And I could have just easily just concentrated on driving, put on some music, make sure I stayed awake. But you see, it was my mind that I was giving him at that time. And I was just like, Lord, just let's just talk. Let's have a conversation. Don't get super spiritual with your prayers, guys. It doesn't have to be, oh, Lord, thou heaven. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like that. Just, just talk to him. And he's going to respond. Love him with all of your mind, guys. With all of your soul, with all of your heart, with all of your strength, and I guarantee he's going to talk to you. And he's going to respond to your questions. And at that, at that moment, man, when I was driving, I had the best time, one of the best prayer times in my life. It was amazing. Allow God to talk to you guys. That's giving him your mind. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Amen? Amen. Okay, so loving God with all of your strength. The last one on the list that uh, Mark gives us. Um, to love God with all your strength is to give everything you got into serving God. This happens to be my favorite one, guys. I love this one. Loving God with all of your strength. All the guys say, hoorah! All this, all your strength! Inflexing! You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, guys and girls, okay? Loving God with all of your strength is just giving Him everything you got. Everything you got, guys. Whether it be in worship and evangelizing or even just persecution. You know what I mean? When people make fun of you, you're going to be like, Lord, I'm stronger than this. I'm not going to let them put me down. I'm going to keep on going forward and I'm going to keep on showing the love of Christ through you, with you through me, Lord Father. You know what I mean? Through worship, guys. Giving it everything you have. Loving God with all of your strength in worship. Meaning jumping if you're tired. If you got swollen feet and you're hurting because you were walking all day, I don't care. God deserves everything you got. If you're able to jump, you best jump. If you're able to dance, you best dance. If you're able to waltz around and pretend you got, you're, you're dancing with Jesus, then waltz around and dance with Jesus. It's okay. Love God with all of your strength. If you're tired, your voice is jacked up and you need to evangelize and you still have a little bit of a whisper left, then use that little bit of a whisper left and say Jesus Christ loves you and he's coming back soon. So you better repent of your sins. Anything you need to say, just say it. If you have any strength left in anything that you're doing unto the Lord, in ministry, in evangelizing, in worshiping, Guys, you use it. Because when you do that, I guarantee you, God is going to take you on another level. When you show yourself approved in that sense, when you're loving Him with all of your strength, He's going to give you something. He's going to take you on another level. When you think you're too shy, He's going to take you on another level. When you think you're too tired, He's going to take you on another level. When you think you're just, like, you're not worthy enough, and then you say, Lord, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what kind of lies the devil's telling me, but I'm going to worship you with everything that I got. He's going to take you on another level. And He's going to show you things. And He's going to tell you things, guys. Loving God with all, with everything that you got, with all of your mind, with all of your love, with all, I'm sorry, with all of your, your mind, your soul, your strength. Guys, when you do that, 
you're on a whole nother level. Don't just treat it as a command, guys. You need it. It's essential. It is essential in your walk that you do it. Because I would not be where I am today if I did not love God with everything that I have. I would not be anywhere near it. I would not be on this stage. I would not be talking to you today. I would not be leading evangelizing, evangelism twice a week. I would not be running the youth ministry. I would not be able to do nothing if I did not love God with everything that I have. God is worthy. He is worthy, and we ought to do it. But we shouldn't just look at it like that. We should look at it as a joy. As I guarantee you, man, when you do that, man, God is just going to show some things to you. How many of you guys want to want to see some things you haven't seen before? How many of you guys want to experience something you never experienced before with God? Come on, somebody. Turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, please. Let me get an amen. Were you there? Okay, if you're not there, say, oh, me. Oh, man, that's a lot of you. Take it easy. Work that word. You got to work that word before? You got to work that word before it works you? Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul tells the Roman church, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living what? Oh, come on, somebody. Holy and pleasing to God. So loving God with all your strength is offering your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Let's continue. This is your spiritual act of what? Oh, come on now. You can say it a little bit better than that. This is your spiritual act of? Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You understand me? You, do you understand Paul right there? He says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed in your mind. Be show, show yourself approved by offering your body as a living sacrifice. Loving God with all of your mind right there. Loving God with all of your strength right there. That is a spiritual act of worship. Your lifestyle should be an act of worship unto God, no matter how tired you are. No matter how down in the dumps you might be. No matter what lie the devil might be telling you, you got to pick yourself up and know that the person inside of you is stronger than the person in the world. You understand me? That God inside of you is stronger and he wants to work within you and he wants to, he wants to work with the people around you and you have to act like this. You have to go around with the joy of the Lord no matter what you're feeling. Let God take it away. Let the Lord take that away. Man, I have bad days. I'm not Superman like Joe always says. You look in my closet, you're going to see some some Walmart shirts and some Converse and Aeropostal polos. That's what you're going to see. You're not going to see a cape. You're not going to see a Superman outfit. I'm human just like you are. I have good days and I have bad days. You understand me? Especially when I go to work, I have bad days. Okay, but look, it's okay. Do you think those bad days are going to get me down? Do you think that those angry customers are going to get me down? Even though they accuse me of stealing their money, Lord have mercy. No, they're not going to, they're not going to get me down. I have a reputation in, in my job. You understand me? I have a reputation, a reputation. And that, and I'm not saying, oh, I have a reputation to hold and I have to, you know, do this, this and the other. No, because they have to see me a certain way. No, 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 no. That reputation is exactly who I am. Guys, when you look at me, I'm transparent. It's like looking into a glass. You're able to see me. Everything that I show you here is everything that I am. I love God with everything that I have. My roommates, can I get an amen? Guys, they, I'm the same way, am I right? Rather, my pajamas are out here with this cool-looking green shirt. You know what I mean? I'm the same person, guys. And that reputation that I have out there is a godly reputation. I walk in there with my Bible, and they know what I'm about. I don't have to say nothing. I walk in there, and I get respect. They look at me a lot different. They don't, they don't come to me talking about parties. 
They don't come to me talking about girls. They don't come at me swearing and cursing all the time. No, 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 no. They come at me with respect. You understand me? They know what I'm about. Guys have a reputation. They know who I am. They, and most importantly, they know who's inside of me. They know that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. They know that within me is Jesus Christ. They know that everything I do is unto the Lord. You understand me? Can that be said for you? Can that be said for you today, Elevate? Come on, somebody. Are your bodies living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God? Are you offering a spiritual act of worship with your lifestyle, with your reputation? Are you conforming no longer to the pattern of the world? Are you being transformed and renewed in the mind? Huh? Come on, somebody. Amen? Come on, I hope so. Because if not, then we need to have a talk. Amen? Guys, this is who you have to be. You have to love God with everything that you have. You understand? You have to love Him with all of your heart. You have to love Him with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. First John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love but we love because he loved us first. You understand me? The only reason we love God today is because God agape us first. The only reason I can say, God, I agape you, or it's pronounced agape all, the only reason I agape all you is because you agape all me first. The only reason I'm saved right now preaching this word is because he loved me first. Guys, don't ever take his love for granted. Don't ever take it. The only way he can even command it is if he does it on us first. You understand me? John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus Christ came here 2,000 years ago, and he said to his disciples, and he's talking to you guys too. He's talking to the saved people. He's talking to everybody that believes in him. If you consider yourself a disciple, let me get amen nice and loud. Come on, somebody. We got disciples in the house. That means Jesus is talking to you today. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Meaning you will, you will obey what I command in the church and outside of the church. You will obey what I command in your house and outside of your house. You will obey what I command inside of the school and outside of the school. In your neighborhood, in your block, it don't matter where you are, you will obey his commands. Because that is love unto God. When you live that lifestyle of being born again. You have a lifestyle of love and worship unto God. Amen. Verse 39 of uh, Mark 12. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going on to the second phase of, of, uh, of the, the, or rather the second greatest commandment that, and that Jesus Christ tells us. What does it mean to love your neighbor, though? What the, I mean, everybody, I mean you could look, look to your neighbor to the right. And say, hey, I love you. Amen. All right, look to your neighbor to the left and say, hey, I love you. Yeah, I, yeah, you're cool, right? I, I mean, whatever. If you pick your nose, I don't really care. Whatever, just whatever. I still love you, right? So look, so what does it really mean? What is Jesus, what is Jesus talking about? What kind of love is Jesus Christ talking about? What is that? What, what kind of love? What is it? One more time. What is it? Agape love. He's talking about agape love, people. So what does it mean? How, how, how does that happen? So let us just name the obvious of loving your neighbor, okay? Not fighting with your neighbor, your, 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 your friends, you know, whatever. Not fighting with them, respecting them, listening, being an ear right there for them to, uh, to, to talk. So they're able to talk to you and you're able to give advice at times and serving, right? That's, being, uh, uh, that's loving your neighbor when you're able to serve your neighbor. Amen. And I'm not talking about waiter status. I'm talking about being there for them, right? I'm talking about, hey, uh, can I, what do you need? Oh, you, you want something? Yeah, I'll get it for you real quick. You know, it's just small little things here and there, guys. Small little things here and there. That, that's serving. We have to have a servanthood heart. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Like, I forgot the Xbox today, but my brother Christian, he's a servant. He brought his Xbox. Ain't that awesome? So we can play some Halo afterwards. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So anyway, let's get back on the stuff. So we, so, so we named the obvious, right? The obvious act of love on your neighbor. But you see, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, guys, in my opinion, true love for your neighbor is sharing Jesus. That is true love. I, I can't think of a better love than sharing Jesus. Rather to your saved friend or rather to your lost friend. 
Because the word of God is the word of God, no matter who you are. It pierces the heart. You understand me? It cuts through them, man. It, it judges the attitudes of the heart. You understand me? It's, it's for everybody, anybody and everybody. If you're, if you're saved, friend, like if, my, like if I was getting down or something like that, I know, I know my boy Ellie, he's going to come up to me. He's going to quote scripture. Hey, brother, man, I know what you're going Look, I might not understand exactly what you're going through, but the Lord Jesus said he's going to be there. You understand me? If, if your friend, hey man, sometimes we have trouble at the house, like with fathers or something like that, right? Like I, I grew up without a father. I wish somebody told me at a young age that God is the father to the fatherless. I wish somebody told me that. If you're feeling forsaken, if you're feeling alone, you call, you call Hebrews to your friend. To, uh, to, uh, you can share Jesus by quoting Hebrews and saying, he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Amen. If somebody's feeling down, they'll be like, man, I feel weak. Uh, I, I'm just, I just keep, I keep stumbling and I keep tripping up. And, and, and you could quote Romans to them and say, hey, hey, according to Paul, God says that you're more than a conqueror. And you're able to do all things. Amen? Come on, somebody. See, that's sharing Jesus. But what about to the lost friends? You see, to them right there, in my opinion, that is, whew, that is an essential love. That is an essential thing that we all ought to do. That we all ought to do at all times. For your lost friends, you have to share Jesus. If you need, if you want to follow the commandments of the Bible, make sure you follow the two greatest commandments by loving God and loving people. Now, we who might have loving God down, you're sure you love Him and you worship Him and you love Him with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your heart and with all of your strength. Hey, okay, that's awesome. But are you really loving your neighbor? Are you loving your friends? Are you loving your friend that's not, that does not know Jesus? Are you loving Loving him? Are you loving her? Are you loving that person that's sitting down on the lunch table by themselves thinking about suicide? Are you loving the person that's in an abusive relationship? Are you loving on the girl that just broke up with the boyfriend and is all broken hearted and think there's nobody else in the world for them? Are you loving on them? Everybody has friends like that, am I right? Everybody knows a person like that, but are you loving them? Are you satisfying and committing to the second greatest commandment of the Bible and are you loving your neighbor in that sense are you doing it elevate are you doing it challenge yourself today be realistic with yourself i'm not here i'm not saying i look i don't even know i'm not with you at school i'm not with you at your house i don't know i'm assuming everybody does and i would like to think that but look the unfortunate fact there might be one or two of you that don't do it Judge yourself right now. Check your heart. What is your motive? You see, are you sharing Jesus? That's true love, man. Sharing the word of God. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Don't have to turn there, but you're going to want to mark this down in your notes. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. It says, the fruit of the righteous it, uh, is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Come on, somebody. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, He who wins souls, who, he who shares Jesus, he who preaches the word of God, no matter who's around or who's saying what or whatever, he who goes out and wins souls is wise. There's another proverb that says, true wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning. That is the root of true wisdom. You are not an intellectual. I don't care how much math you know. I don't care how much science you know. I don't care how much of the, uh, of the Big Bang Theory you're into and how many more lives you can corrupt within that. I don't care. If you do not have the fear of the Lord, you're not even, you don't even have the basics down of true wisdom. When you have the basics down of true wisdom, fear of the Lord, then you go win souls. Oh, you're really wise, aren't you? You're a wise person according to the word of God. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? God is saying at this time right now to Isaiah, who, he's questioning, who, who am I going to send? Who's going to go for us? And I said, Isaiah, and I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, God. 
I don't even, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not the best Christian in the world. I slip up sometimes. I'm still a sinner. But here I am. God send me. Here I am. God send me. We need to have that heart. If you love your neighbor and you want to fulfill that commandment, you got to have open arms and say, here I am, God, send me. I'm here. I don't know exactly what they're going through, but I trust that you'll give me a word of knowledge. I don't know exactly what to say, but I know that your Holy Spirit will speak through me. I don't necessarily want to get up, but I know like Jeremiah, you'll shoot fire up within my bones and I won't be able to hold in the word. I'll have to let it out. You understand me? We have to have the heart of Isaiah and say, God, here I am. Send me. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. Come on, right there, man. I'm not even done with the scripture, but right there I had to stop. The Lord, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. God has called us into righteousness. He said, I will take hold of your hand. I will take hold of your hand like a child. You understand? We have to have the mentality of children. A child is not going to cross that street, that busy intersection on diversity, unless he's holding somebody's hand. You understand me? A five-year-old kid that's barely able to walk is not going to go anywhere unless he's holding mama or papa's hand. You understand me? We cannot do this by ourselves. I don't care how much knowledge I have. I don't care what kind of degree I get from SUM. I don't care what kind of experience I have under my belt. I cannot do nothing unless I have the hand of the Lord right next to me. Unless I have his guidance. Because my words will be absolute. It will mean nothing. It will be meaningless. It will be nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. You understand me? I will take hold of your hand, says the Lord. I will keep you and I will make you. Come on, somebody. To be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. And Gentiles, anybody that's not Jewish, meaning if you're black, you're a Gentile. You're Puerto Rican, you're Mexican, you're a Gentile. You're, you're white, you're a Gentile. You understand me? You're, you're yellow, green, or orange, you're a Gentile, okay? He says to be a covenant. Y'all have, uh, I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light unto the Gentiles, to a light to the people who do not know me. God says that he will make you a light to the people who do not know him. To open the eyes that are blind. To free the captives from prison. God says that those who do not know him who are lost are imprisoned. They're prisoners to sin. They're prisoners of darkness. And they don't know any better. They don't know. They're just serving their time and they don't even know it. The devil has them locked up. But here God says to Isaiah, and we got to take this person. We got to make sure that we got to understand that he is also talking to us. God says to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon. Those who sit in darkness. God says he's going to use you to free the captives, to free the prisoners, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Somebody say God's good. Come on, say it like you're awake tonight. Say it like you mean it. Say Somebody say God's good. Come on, somebody. Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 10 says, And he said to me, and God said to me, Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your countrymen in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Rather they listen or fail to listen. Let's take a list, let's take a lesson here, guys. Not everybody is going to listen to you when you go evangelizing. When you want to love your neighbor and you want to share Jesus with them, your neighbor not, might not want to receive you. Your neighbor might not want to hear what you have to say. In fact, your neighbor or your friend that you love so much you want to share Jesus with, or it might make fun of you. You might become persecuted by that person, but that's okay. Because you know what? God tells us. 
God tells us, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord said. Quote them the Bible. Quote them the truth. Because the truth shall set you what? Come on now, but they don't know that. They're in darkness. They're in prison. And you're there to set the captives free. You're there to shed the light, the, the lights within the dark dungeon. You understand me? You're there to show the truth. And they don't even know they're in darkness. So therefore, they might just shut you down. Rather they listen or fail to listen, God says, you go. You show that love. And you fulfill that commandment. Amen. Is it okay to you knowing that many of your friends or, or, or people that you know at school will be going to hell? Is it okay with you? Is it all right in your mindset? Hey, as long as, as long as I'm going to heaven, I'm good. As long as I'm fulfilling the first commandment and sometimes fulfilling the second every once in a while, I'm okay, I'm good. Is it okay with you? Is that your mindset today? You see, the clock is ticking and it's time to start bringing everybody home. And by home, I mean heaven. We're all meant to go to heaven. That's our home. We're aliens on this earth according to the word of God. But you see, they don't know that. We got to bring them home, guys. And the, the clock is ticking. Either death is around the corner or Jesus is coming back. The clock is ticking. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, As a prisoner... For the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Come on, somebody. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love, meaning being there for your friend, being there for your girl, ladies, and being there for your guys, fellas, in love. Bearing with them in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. <laughs> In all, somebody say in all. Come on, bear with each other in love. Be there for each other. Be there for your saved friends. Be there for your lost friends. Bear each other in love. Show Christianity. Show the love of Christ. Show the joy of the Lord even though you're having a bad day. Amen. Be there for each other. Have someone you can call or text for prayer or just talk to. And be there for that person that does not know God. Be there, guys. Hold each other accountable. What I mean by accountable is, 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 uh, be there to pray for them. Be there to, be there to be an ear. Be there to be a voice. Call them. Hey, 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 Nathaniel, I'm, I'm going through something right now, man. Uh, I'm going through like lust right now, dude. I just saw someone on the television. It's getting me just, just crazy. And my mindset's somewhere. Can you pray for me? Please pray for me. Pray for each other on the phone. Text. Hey, Adolfo, you know what? Man, this person is just making fun of me. And he's calling me names. And he's getting all my friends against me. What do I do? I'll send you a scripture. And I'll pray for you. And I'll encourage you. And I'll bear with you in love. Amen. First John chapter 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Get this, guys. Get this. First John chapter 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So if you do not love your brother and you're not treating your brother or your sister in love, then you're not really loving God because you're not following the second greatest commandment. Can I get Davi on the keys, please? Matthew, chapter 5. Let's let everybody turn there for me, please. This is a very important scripture. And it, it, I want everybody to see themselves in this place because God is talking to you in this scripture. Matthew, chapter 5. Let me get an amen when you're there. 
Go down to verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. Elevate, this is for you. Jesus Christ is talking to you tonight. Jesus Christ is saying to you, Elevate. He's saying to you, Mari. He's saying to you, Jasmine, Destiny. He's telling you tonight that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. If there's a city on top of a high hill, you're going to see that city from miles away. Because that city has bright lights. And it's on top of a hill and it's shining bright. God is saying that you're, you're that city on the hill. And people should be able to see you from miles away. Verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. They put it in its place, guys. It has a place. Light has a place. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, elevate. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Elevate, let your light shine so bright in your school. Let your light shine so bright in your lunch tables. Let your light shine so bright in your campuses, in your household, in your room, in the kitchen table. Let it bright so so bright. Let it light so bright that people begin to praise God for that light inside of you. You're called, Elevate. You are called. You were called to be the light of the world. You were called to be the salt of the earth. Do not avoid that calling. Do not run away from it.